You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. You know the routine. You know what it is. You know how it goes. I tell you what, boy, I am um, I'm glad that I got one more day of waking up and then I get to sleep a little bit. Although I'm probably not going to because I'm doing a pork butt again. So I got to get up early. I don't know. I'll figure it out. We'll figure out something. We'll do something. I'm so tired. <laughs> if at any point during this episode you think to yourself, I don't know, kind of seems like he's not into it today, um, you're 100% correct. I, I was so close to taking today off just for the heck of it. Like, no, nope, I'm going to lay in bed and watch a movie. Except I probably, I always say I'm going to do that. Like, the family left to go get the kids' shoes. I had to babysit a sleeping dog and a sleeping baby. And I'm like, I'm going to lay in bed and watch a movie. I never even got to the movie part. I was, you know, I don't know, TikToks, I guess. So stupid. Such a waste of time. But not, not that a movie's bad. I don't know. Point is, I'm tired. I want to go to bed. Had a little drink about an hour ago, and it went right to my head. Not really. It's a song. Don't worry. Anyways, glad you're with me. Thanks for tuning in. Nice to see you. Glad you're here. Greetings and salutations. I think there's a football game about to start, so I can pull that up. That'll give me something interesting to uh, watch. Although I think it's a really... Not interesting game. Here we go. Game's on. Ready to rock and roll. Get to watch Mac and the other Alabama quarterback. I forget because I don't care. Still too loud. I don't want to hear anything. I'm just going to mute it. I'm just going to mute it. Can we mute it? Thank you. Thank you very much. I think we're ready to start. Any minute now we can get started on the podcast. So um, it's another day. Uh, Packers and Jets and all that kind of stuff. Not a whole lot changed, but we're going to do what we've been doing for quite a while now. We're going to go through everything that was mentioned in the press conferences, although... I'm really starting to, there's still a lot of notes today because a lot of stuff happened, but I am skipping a ton of things because it's like, that's, it's not, we don't need to know that. There were, I think, two people that did press conferences and I didn't even bother taking any notes from them because it's just, it wasn't interesting. But we've got Matt LaFleur and Devontae Adams, um, a little bit of news and notes around the NFL as well as training camp once again. And I got to talk to the boys, boys, gentlemen in the discord, you know who you are. Uh, got to have a little chat ski in a little bit here about uh, this whole shebang we got going on. But remember to stay tuned because I uh, got that whole giveaway thing going on soon, sooner than later, going on, going down. Remember, if you are a patron, um, we've got the, if you could please show me. No? All right, not going to work. Um, feel free to join in on the Pick'em Pool. It's wide open to all and any and every patron. There we go. Now it's working. So we got quite a few people in here right now. 24 people. And I think because it's patrons, um, I am going to do some kind of a giveaway, but I don't know what yet. Haven't gotten there. We got a long time to figure it out. I got this thing going into the playoffs. 
But if you are a patron, it's not, it's not going to cost you anything. You can come in here and uh, just play along and pick teams you think are going to win. And if you happen to be at the top, you get stuff. I don't know. It might be a Packernet shirt or something. I don't know. We'll figure it out, man. Just come play. It'll be fun. I'd probably do something for fantasy as well, but I also feel bad that a lot of people didn't get in on that. So we'll, uh, we'll have to think about that. But anyways, around the NFL, first of all, because I forgot to mention it yesterday, I'm watching it right now, but, you know, again, I forget that I'm talking to tomorrow. There is more football today, i.e. Friday. Is i.e. the right thing? I never know. What is i.e.? That's like as an example, right? Like for instance? I don't know. Doesn't matter. Uh, the Bengals and Washington, who cares? What, what was the name we said for what? What was it going to be? What was Washington? There was one that I really liked. Washington, whatchamacallits I liked, but I thought there was something better. I don't know. The, the Washington McCulloch and the Bengals. I can't imagine there's a whole lot interesting with that game. I'm trying to think. I don't think there is. Um, but then also, why would you do two Friday games at the same time? You couldn't even stagger it a little bit, like six and seven. You did seven and seven. That's ridiculous. But anyways, we got the Chiefs and the Arizona Cardinals. Again, I don't expect too much exciting there. Pat Mahomes might come out for like one throw and then they'll pull him. I don't know. Um... But that's about all I got. If you're super into the draft, I mean, every team had draft picks. You got Jamar Chase and all that, who the reports have not been great. I did see yesterday or two days ago or whatever, he had one good camp. But so far, it's been pretty bad. Here come the Eagles taking it out of the uh, the things, you might call it. I don't care about this game. I kind of want to see Mac, and that's about it. Battle of the Alabama quarterbacks and whatnot. Oh, wait, Devontae's out there. Devontae Smith. Anyways, you, you already saw the game and know what happened, so I don't need to. Uh... Joey Flacco. Anyway, some around the NFL notes. Um, Vikings, I don't know why I was going to say Washington. The Minnesota Vikings, there was a little bit coming out of there. Um, One of the reporters says he's been asked several times on an update about Everson Griffin. I talked about Everson for quite a while. There's a bunch of issues going on, whether it be injuries or guys that are wanting contract things or, you know, things that are assumed to get resolved, but so far not resolved. And Everson Griffin is one of those pieces According to this reporter, he says the process on whether to sign him continues very well could extend into next week. So obviously something to keep an eye on there. Um, Some not super great news out of uh, Ravens camp. Ravens tight end Mark Andrews did go down in practice. They kind of downplayed it, said it was basically just cramps, but it was sounding kind of scary. They Oh, there goes the ball way over his head. Back up center. What are we doing? Oh, and he fumbled it. What a doof. And then the defender fumbled it and he picked it up. Just a wild and crazy type. Mac Jones is going to have one pass for a touchdown here. I'm calling it. I'm calling it. First pass, touchdown. It'll probably be a freaking handoff. Still calling it. And I want, uh, I would like a $1 donation if that happens, please. And if I'm wrong, I will graciously donate a dollar to the Palmer home in your honor. (laughs) Oh, anyways. That was Kelsey that did that? Oh, is that Cam Newton? Well, I guess I'm donating a dollar. And it's a handoff. That was a double whammy. Why is Cam the starting quarterback? That's ridiculous. Um, out of Bears camp, Justin Fields is expected to play Saturday. I said yesterday I didn't think that they would. Seemed a little crazy that the Packers are being more cautious with Jordan Love than the Bears are being with Justin Fields. However, um, I guess it kind of makes sense in, in an almost opposite perspective that I was looking at it. But uh, they want Justin Fields to play this year, and we don't really aren't as interested in uh, Jordan Love playing this year. Ooh, that was a nice run. Touchdown. I should turn this off because you don't want to listen to me do a play-by-play, but I won't anyways. 
Um, kind of having some drop issues today. Three of the last five Justin Fields passes were dropped. Adams, Newsom, and Ridley all with drops. So there's kind of these days, and I see it when I'm monitoring all these other camps. I don't usually do notes for it anymore because, as I said, it's kind of boring or whatever, but I still kind of monitor it. It happens. There are days when the, you know, especially if it's like your third day of practice and guys are kind of burnt out and their their head's just not in it, and, uh, you know, it just happens. As for the notes of Matt LaFleur's press conference, uh, Packers coach Matt LaFleur says rookie guard Royce Newman did a really nice job in day one of joint practices versus the Jets and will start preseason games Saturday. So there's more to this quote, but we obviously know that there was kind of a double whammy in the preseason game. You had the starting guards play terribly and apparently so bad to the point that the Packers coaches were so furious that they have basically not given them starter reps since. But you also had guys like Royce Newman, who, and not saying that the Packers had the exact same grading system, but the PFF said that Royce Newman, I believe, was the highest graded Packer that entire preseason game. The Packers obviously concur. But again, you go on believing that you're a great scout and PFF is stupid. You do whatever you want. I I prefer to live in a world in which I have correct resources to use as opposed to nonsense, like where I believe I I know something and can sit on the couch and um, evaluate talent. Anyways... Packers concurred, and um, Royce has been given the starting job. But on top of that, according to this, he did such a good job day one of joint practices versus the Jets. So we're talking doubling up because this is before today. I don't know exactly how he did today. but uh, So this would have been, what, Wednesday. So preseason game, great. Then Wednesday, the first day against the Jets, he did a great job. And he's based on that, those two performances... Matt LaFleur says he will be our starting right guard on Saturday. Not necessarily forever, but um, that's that's fantastic news. Because remember, the other good thing about this is, as bad as Runyon may have been or whoever, Lucas Patrick may have been, Ben Braden may have been, we know at the very least that Runyon and Lucas Patrick, although maybe not our favorite football players in the world, are at least competent, right? John Runyon was in and it was fine. All these things, you know, when it, they, they played, they were they did a decent job. Could we upgrade them? That would be great. But if, if you told me that our starting offensive line, you know, with Bakhtiari healthy was, you know, down the line, you know what it is. But at right guard, we've got Lucas Patrick or John Runyon. We'd be like, all right, yeah, that's fine. That's legit. I'm good with that. The fact that Royce Newman has blown the coaches away to such a degree that it's not even a close competition at this point between Royce Newman and John Runyon or Lucas Patrick really does say something, especially for a guy that's spent about eight seconds as a as a true NFL football player. The guy with the least amount of experience in the NFL, much less Matt uh, LaFleur's specific scheme. And maybe he doesn't end up being our starting guard in the NFL. I don't know, but it's a very good thing. And again, remember, when they came out with their official depth chart, Royce Newman was on the third string. He was not even the second string guard. He was third string. Now he's starting offense. He impressed that much. It's good news. It's just just good news. We'll see how it goes, though. Anyways, Matt LaFleur went on to say he's a good young player. You can see the talent. There's just a lot to learn, especially for any rookie, which is probably going to be the biggest thing for him actually starting in a game. But again, even if he doesn't, it's there right? That level of talent is there, and they just got to work on him. They got to groom him. They got to grow him. He's got to get the mental side down a little bit, but the fact that we've got that just waiting to blossom, if we can hit on that, I tell you what, man, the Packers and drafting offensive line has been unbelievable, and, and you got to, of course, give some credit to these the coaching staff, 
But I mean, you know, he's winning jobs over other guys. You know, if it's just the coaching staff, then he wouldn't be taking the place of Runyon, right? That doesn't make any sense. But, and and we haven't, who knows? Maybe he's going to be trash. Maybe Josh Myers is going to be trash. And, and, you know, I'm speaking a little too early, but Elton Jenkins, second round pick, better than any offensive lineman probably drafted in that entire draft class and better than most offensive linemen drafted, especially interior offensive linemen in the last two, three, four years, whatever. He's just phenomenal. And it's, it's, you know, he's considered to be, depending on who you ask, one of the better interior offensive linemen in the league. Now there's a big list and he may not be top five. I don't know, but he's, he's good. Then we get Josh Myers and it's just kind of an assumed thing. Like Aaron Rodgers loves him and the offensive line loves him and the coaches love him. And it's just, he's super smart. He's super prepared. He knows what he's doing. It's just seamless. And I don't, I don't want to take that for granted because remember, that's not how this goes. Generally speaking, Rookies come in and, and they're just not great. Eric Stokes is a great example. He may be a good football player, but he's coming in, he's just getting worked. He's not ready. And again, Jair, I mean, even with the flashes, it wasn't until year three that we really saw peak Jair, right? Year two was like, this guy's good, but you know, a little bit you can work on there. To have a guy like Elton just come in, a second round pick, which is no guarantee ever, right? The Vikings picked a center in the first round. That guy, not great. But then we get Josh Myers. John Runyon, by the way, like a sixth-round pick. No reason that guy should ever be able to start and be competent. He started, and we were fine. Now Royce Newman, again, kind of a mid-round pick guy. And they're talking about him possibly being a starting guard. And by the way, that guard that we picked is going to be playing left tackle, and nobody's worried about it. It's just a little crazy. And I, I, I do think some people take that for granted, and they're like, oh, yeah. I mean, that that's... Again, this is where people get really angry. Fans get really angry because they have unreasonable expectations. That's what they expect. If you get drafted, you should be that good. We should be able to count on you. If you can't do a good job, go to Kunst and the rest of the staff and our scouts are all trash. Nah, dude. <laughs> Other way around. So we'll see how it plays out. But, I mean, if if it turns out that Josh Myers is a good starting center and Royce Newman ends up being a starting guard, it's, that's just, that's not, that's not even fair. And it's funny because even other people, and I forget exactly... I think it was, oh, PFF put it out there that they said that the highest graded interior offensive lineman, Royce Newman, was number one. And in all of week one preseason, not just on the Packers, highest graded interior offensive lineman of all 2021 draft picks. And the comments under that, and it's funny because even Packer fans sometimes don't, again, we don't realize it because we're in it. And we take stuff for granted, et cetera, et cetera. But the comments from other fans were about, oh, here we go again with another mid-late round Packers offensive lineman that ends up being a steal, right? I mean, they're, they're almost just like, these freaking guys are cheating. Like, it's just not fair. The Packers are always so good at doing that. Everybody else can see it except us. Anthony Harris is an eagle. That's also kind of interesting. They're showing his highlights with the fight. That's a big, he's a good football player, man. And that's kind of, again, what I'm talking about with, with the talent. Kind of, you know, can't keep everybody. Forgot about that. That's a big, that's a big thing. Continuing on, Matt LaFleur isn't ruling out Jordan Love officially for Saturday's game yet, but he adds, I would say it's probably unlikely. Looks like Kurt Bankert will start versus the Jets and play a lot. That last part was not Matt LaFleur. That was uh, an assumption made by the reporter. But um, it's probably safe to say Jordan won't play. I don't know. Again, it's it's hard to, to speculate as to what exactly is going on. In my mind, I want to push him to play. Right? I just... Because... For me, it's more important to have an evaluation of him than it is to have him as a backup. 
But I'm getting the impression, and again, maybe it's just his shoulders more messed up than they're making it out to be, and he really shouldn't be playing. But it seems to me the Packers are, are saying, no, we need him as a backup. Um, you know, we we'll, we don't need to worry about evaluation. Because if you think about and I was trying, I was pondering this as I was on my walk today. Let's say we get no more evaluation and Rodgers is completely healthy and none of the games are blowouts or anything, or maybe it is and he just takes a knee, but we get zero evaluation from this point. We don't know what we have in Jordan Love, and that's painfully obvious, right? We, we just don't. Regardless of what happens next year, it doesn't really change very much because we're not going to be drafting a quarterback. Because even, let, let's say he does play this week and next week, are we going to get enough information to say this guy's not the guy and we're going to draft a quarterback? Of course not. They're going to give him a shot. And so if Rodgers does leave, they're going to let Jordan be the guy. And if Jordan isn't the guy, then we'll pick a guy in 2023, I guess. Or 2024, if we want to give him another year, or however that's, that little drama is going to play out. Or obviously, if Rodgers and the Packers can work it out, then Rodgers will stick around and we don't have to worry about it or whatever. But either way, I don't think there's going to be a situation where a decision is going to be made on what to do with Jordan after this year based on what happens in the preseason. So I think from their perspective, we don't have to push evaluation. And if Rodgers gets hurt this year and then Love comes out and there's your evaluation. So... I guess I get it, but it just seems so weird. I mean, the guy has had no time. We have not, and even if you don't want to call it evaluation, call it some time for him to learn. He needs time out on the field, especially if, I mean, if he is going to be taking over next year, even if there's just a 30% chance, I want that guy out there because I'm I'm honestly more worried about our 2022 quarterback getting more time learning how to be a quarterback than I am 2021 on the off chance Rodgers gets hurt. Because let's be honest, if that happens, there's no Super Bowl for us this year. No offense to Jordan Love, I just don't see it. So if next year starts the Jordan Love era, let's just give him a little bit more time. But I don't know. And again, maybe I'm just kind of talking in circles for no reason because his shoulder's just really jacked up and they just don't think it's a good idea. Which could be. I mean, if it's his throwing shoulder, I mean, I, I had an injured shoulder for a year. I mean, I can still feel it. I just recently found out what frozen shoulder is, and I heard two references to it in one day, and that was the first time in my 34 years on this planet I've ever heard that term, and I heard it twice in one day. But I'm starting to wonder if that's what I had, because it, it, was, it sucked for a year. Can't lift my arm. But the point is, you know, there'd be times when it would get a little bit better, but I would always, because I sleep on the right side of the bed, and I want to watch my phone so I can watch The Office or Married with Children or whatever. Sanford and Son, whatever it happens to be at the time. So I lay on my right shoulder. Well, that's not great for your shoulder. And sometimes it gets worse and then it takes a long time to recover. So it's just, let's just let it completely heal. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just spinning my tires here in terms of trying to figure this out because it's not what I would expect. And if you look at, again, look at Justin Fields. There's a push, get them out there. And for a lot of these guys, especially with three preseason games, no, we're going to push them out there a little bit. Even some of these starters, they're like, no, you're going to play a half. We won't even, <laughs> we put nobody out there. And again, I appreciate that because the Packers are super cautious with injuries and the Packers have been a great team um, with some exceptions as far as injuries are concerned, generally speaking. Anyways, um, final note from Matt LaFleur, he says uh, he's content to let Kevin King and rookie Eric Stokes compete for a starting job through camp. LaFleur has, hasn't soured on King, quote, when he challenges guys at the line of scrimmage, I think he's as good as anybody, unquote. So there's a couple things about Stokes today that surprised me, and this was the first one. The second one is Devontae, which we'll get to in just a minute. But the fact that they're even calling it a competition Again, you're always going to err on the side of giving it to the vet. 
And there's always going to be an element of coach speak. So in my mind, if there's a competition and it's 50-50 in your mind, you're still going to go in front of the media and say, this is Kevin King's job right now. He's just injured. Um, Stokes has a long way to go. He's got a lot to learn, but we're very confident in him. We think he's going to have a great career here. That way, you're pumping up Stokes, and he fully understands that he's got a lot to learn, and everything you said was completely true. He also understands he can absolutely win the job. And for King, he doesn't really feel threatened. He doesn't feel like he has to battle for his job, or I mean, he obviously does, but from a coach's standpoint, it's not like, hey, your job's on the line. The fact that he's coming out and saying, yeah, it's like 50-50, we'll see how it goes. With this rookie that's getting torched in camp, like, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Now, he did add in that throwaway line, but that's all it is. That was a throwaway line. That was that was a nothing line. When he challenges guys at the line of scrimmage, I think he's as good as anybody. Okay, great. That's like me saying, you know, when, when you're talking 50-50 balls with Kevin King, he's as good as anybody. Well, that's nice, but we're talking about, you know, what, 5% of targets his direction? Just go route jump balls? If that, 2% maybe? So it's a nothing line. Everybody's got a thing that you really like about them. That's why they're on the team. So, I mean, it's just, it's, it's an interesting point of clarity. And again, sometimes I think coaches, they forget what we don't know, right? In their mind, they've known this since forever. So when he just throws it out there, like it's a competition between King and Stokes, some of us, myself included, are like, is it? I didn't, I didn't know. I mean, we, again, we know it's a competition, obviously. But to what degree? Is it like, no, it's definitely going to be King, but maybe Stokes will take over eventually? Is it we're actually leaning Stokes? Is it, I don't know, it's 50-50 right now? In my mind, Kevin King is the guy and Stokes just isn't ready. And until he's completely ready, we're going with the guy who maybe isn't a very great, you know, good football player and all that, but he knows how to play football. He's been a pro for a long time. He understands the system. Well, I don't know about the system because it's a new system, but you know what I'm saying. There's similarities in all that as far as NFL systems. We're just going to roll with him until Stokes really kind of breaks out to, to to such a degree where I'm comfortable benching Kevin King. I don't know. I just it 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 pulled me in the other direction because I thought we were further over here, and he just that moment of clarity, which I don't think he meant to give anyone a moment of clarity, but he did a little bit. Anyways, let's flip it over to Devonte Adams, and then we'll take a break and look at training camp. A um, couple of comments from Devontae Adams. First of all, on the depth at wide receiver, he says, I like it. It's as competitive as it's been since I got here, which, um, you know, I always try to think if something's a throwaway line or if there's something kind of legitimate there. Kind of feels throwaway-ish. And Devontae's not a super open guy. He's got this sort of, and I don't mean it in a negative way, but he's got this sort of like arrogance about him, which is, it just has this aura of, I'm way too cool for all of you. Like, even when Aaron Rodgers is around him, he's kind of like, yeah, cool, man. I know they're friends, but it's just kind of like, you guys are a little lame, you know? Like, I love you, but I don't want to hang out with you. And so I don't really see him as somebody coming to the podium and being very open and transparent about stuff. But, you know, whatever. He he gave some answers, and this one just kind of... I think it's the fact that he says, as competitive as. In other words, it's it's at the level of what I've seen since I've been here. I know it's meant to sound like it's the most, but he didn't say that. He said it's as competitive as it's been since I got here, so I guess I don't want to read too much into it. However, with Randall Cobb being there, you know it's competitive. With MVS blowing it up, we haven't even really hardly talked about Alan Lazard, who again was sort of the consensus number two in my mind. Again, he outsnapped MVS and there wasn't a ton of competition anywhere else. We know we can count on him at least for something, but it's, it's almost like he's just not even being discussed at this point. 
And Funches is there, a veteran wide receiver who's tearing it up, as would be expected because he's a veteran. And remember, and, and Lazard and, and MVS are veterans at this point. So you got a bunch of veterans that know how to play. And then you factor in, you know, you got Cobb kind of coming down a little bit in terms of his abilities. You got Funches kind of being at that certain level. You got MVS stepping up. You got Lazard, who obviously does a lot of things really, really well. So they're all kind of bunched up in there. Obviously, Devontae's above all these guys, but it's it's fair to say that this probably is one of the more competitive rooms that he's seen, at least in terms of, you know, that pile and seeing who emerges out of that pile. Although, let's be honest, it's probably going to be all of those guys. It's just a question of who's going to be maybe the one other receiver. Adam says it's made his job as a leader a lot easier to have Randall Cobb around. They share the role of trying to teach the young receivers the finer points. Quote, a lot of times we look over at each other and say, you want to say it or should I? So... It is, it is kind of cool. Um, trying to think. I remember there was a time in the past. I don't remember exactly what year it was. I think it was around the time things were not going well, but a lot of young guys and not a lot of veterans. And um, that can end up being sort of a problem. So obviously you don't need a second veteran, um, but it's always nice to have a second pair of eyes. And again, like Devontae said, just to kind of take some of that work off of them. You don't want to be on 24 hours a day. You got to, you know, he's, he's in a contract year. He's trying to work on himself. But um it's a good thing. It's a good thing having a veteran, as we know. Devontae on Robert Tunyon, quote, his confidence is at an all-time high, which it should be with the way he's playing. Just further confirmation. There's so many guys that, that we're talking about right now where it's like, I don't know. You know, again, like, I, I don't know what's going to happen, but it seems really good. And I, and I keep talking about it, so I don't want to say it again. But again, Tunyon, he had a good year. Don't, didn't really have any expectation of whether or not he'd be able to repeat that, but it's just sort of assumed he's really good. MVS seems like he's having a breakout thing, and, you know, again, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Seems really good. Myers seems really good. Kylan Hill seems really good. Rashawn, before he started getting hurt, looked really good. Royce, you know, seems like he might emerge as a top offensive line. So there's just all these guys that's it's like, geez, I don't know, I don't it has to be fake. There's no way all these guys are going to just really step into that next level. It's just, it's impossible. But again, it's just this, this assurance that, oh no, they're, they're just on another level. Even, even Savage, you know, he had a good half a year. He didn't start off the year very good. Second half of the year, he was one of the best safeties in football. And it's just sort of assumed. And it's like, I don't know. I mean, you never know. He might regret, but he's playing real well. And it's just, you know, I mean, it's not a question. He's a starter. He's a very good starter. Everybody has confidence in him. He's making plays. And I, I forget that you have to be somewhat skeptical. I just, it just, it's like, you got to remember, he might not have a good year this year. But everything, again, everything out of camp is, oh, I mean, what are you talking about? Of course he's good. It's like, all right, I don't know, man. I'm just trying to protect myself from disappointment, I guess. <laughs> Finally, and again, this was kind of the note that I found extremely interesting. Adams on Eric Stokes, quote, he's the closest thing to Jair as far as mentality and ability. The kid is fast as heck. He can get beat and recover like Sam Shields used to do. So let's start with uh, one of the more exciting parts before we get to the more interesting parts. The part about he can get beat and recover like Sam Shields. That makeup speed makes a big difference. I remember the one time I saw that, not from Stokes, but it was, who was the guy in New Orleans? Marshawn Lattimore. When I was looking at all the college prospects and everything else, there was one play in particular where he got beat on a route. Right, it was just, he, you know, the, the receiver kind of cut into the inside, and he had about two steps on. And unbeknownst to the quarterback, Marshawn Lattimore had a second gear. 
And he just kind of jogged with him, and he was just kind of right behind him. He was, I don't want to say stride for stride, but picture stride for stride, but two strides behind. And as soon as that quarterback unleashed that ball, he hit that second gear, flew past him, and caught the ball. I've seen that on rare occasions where once the ball is in the air, we've seen it with Jair, to be honest, where the ball gets in the air, and all of a sudden he hits another gear and flies across the field and picks the ball off. It's a special ability to have. And you see it a lot with safeties and things too, rangy safeties. That's kind of one of the cool things that they're able to do. They seem out of position. They're looking the wrong direction and they just beeline it at just the right time. And the quarterback doesn't see the the safety kind of beelining it and they can make up some serious ground and they get the ball. Now that doesn't make you a good corner in and of itself, but it's one of those rare qualities that, that make the Packers want these types of players. At the end of the day, you just need a good football player. But if you can have a good football player that has these kinds of attributes, that's when you go from having just this real good guy to having a, like a Jair, right? Picture like Adrian Amos, right? Really, really, really good. He's just a good football player. He doesn't have the special attributes. He's just a good, solid football player. Everybody loves him. I don't know how else to say good football player, but that's just what he is. Nothing, no complaints whatsoever. But you get a guy that understands football the way he does, but give him the attributes like Jair Alexander or the attributes like Rashawn Gary, right? Zadarius is a good football player. He doesn't have elite attributes. He's just a good football player. You take that good football player and take that and put that inside of a guy like Rashawn Gary with those attributes, you get elite elite, elite. And that's why the Packers lean on that. And it annoys me sometimes because I just want good football players because I'm tired of these high RAS guys that don't know how to play football and then it's a waste of, of everything. But I'll tell you what, when they draft Savage, who's high RAS, and he starts to understand football and you see how special he can be. When you get Jair with the high athleticism and you see how special he can be, where, where it's not just he's a competent top 15 corner, I'm talking number one in the NFL. You want to be number one in the NFL, you got to have the attributes. You want to be Richard Sherman, you got to have Richard Sherman attributes. You want to be Darrell Revis, you got to have Darrell Revis attributes. There's some guys that can overcome that. Jerry Rice ran like a six-second 40 time or something stupid, right? But in general, right, that's how you get to that next level. And again, remember, Devontae's the guy that's been tearing this guy apart, so he's the one that's been right there. And for him to say, you know, let's say he beats a guy and then he's able to come back. And remember, you know, Stokes makes a lot of mistakes, so Devontae, he, he is the foremost expert in the NFL on cooking guys, right? And I don't mean like Tyreek Hill style. I just mean like he comes out of his break and he's got three steps on him. And so he has a pretty general gauge of he's not coming back. He's done. He's toast. So when he cooks a guy and all of a sudden he's back in your back pocket, it's like, what the heck is that? He picks up on that stuff. And so it's it's a very cool thing. Oh man, who's hurt? Eagles look terrible. Now a guy's down. So anyways, very cool little note there that he has that that attribute, if nothing else. We'll see if he can be a good football player but that's a heck of an attribute. The more interesting part of this entire quote, though, is the first part. He's the closest thing to Jair as far as mentality and ability, which, again, when you talk about uh, a guy and you say, you know, when you, the Matt LaFleur line about Kevin King and that one thing he does at the line of scrimmage, or even recovery, those are specific minor things that, that can be cool little attributes, but there's a heck of a lot more to it than that. There isn't really anything else outside of mentality and ability. Assuming mentality encompasses mental ability. Although mentality, I guess, is something different. It's more attitude. But but the thing that's shocking about that is Devontae Adams just flat out said he's the best corner we have outside of Jair, right? I mean, that, that's how I'm reading it. 
And you can say, well, not not necessarily. It's just mentality and ability. Well, <laughs> ability is kind of a big deal. This is a guy who's played with Kevin King for years. Kevin King's going to hear this comment. What the heck is that? That is a shocking comment. Devontae doesn't give anything, nothing. He doesn't care. Again, you, you got this guy who's just this, he's just strutting around like, I don't care about any of you guys. <laughs> and that became evident when he just flat out said, he's our second best corner. Unless he just didn't realize what he was saying, or I, I don't know how you come to this conclusion without remembering that Kevin King is on the team. But even if it's a slip, it's a slip that I wanted to hear. That is a great thing to hear from Eric Stokes. It sounded like a borderline shot at Kevin King. The closest thing to Jair as far as mentality and ability. Remember, Kevin King is tall and lanky and fast. Very fast. And he just flat out said he has better ability and mentality than Kevin King does. And I know he wasn't directly pointing it at him, but I'm just, I was, I was dumbfounded by the fact that he had said that. And again, on the same day that, that Matt LaFleur said that this is a wide open competition. Um, the other, the other thing that I would point out, and I might be mistaken on this, but I know some of you guys, cause you guys have brains like steel traps, memories like steel traps. Anyways, if I'm not mistaken, it was Devonte Adams who initially had called out Aaron Jones being special. Now that's, again, he's not necessarily coming out and being like, you guys don't understand this guy's going to be special. He didn't exactly say that, but this is kind of a, you know, his, his view on things. And he's got a heck of a good view of that better than he would have a running back, a cornerback, as opposed to a running back. I believe it was Devonte, like the one time he called a guy out and said, you got to watch out because this guy is a special kind of a player. He said it about Aaron Jones, and he was 110% correct. I don't remember him saying it about anybody else. And again, he technically didn't say it here, but this is a heck of an endorsement. He compared him to Jair Alexander, said he's the closest thing we have. And I don't know how close it is, but it sounds like he's saying he's, he's close in terms of mentality and ability. That's just, I mean, I just, it just blows me away. Even if you're thinking it, it blows me away that he felt comfortable enough to say it. So I, I don't know. I'm still guessing Kevin King is the corner week one, but at this pace, even injuries aside, I don't know, man. But anyways, we need to take a break. If and you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. We are down to 245 patrons. Still holding out hope. We can uh, get another 55 before the end of week one. If we can do that, by the end of the fourth quarter, when that whistle blows, I'm going to come over to Patreon. I'm going to see how many patrons we got. And if there's 300 or more, I'm buying somebody a Packers ticket. So 55 of you are interested, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. Get in for as little as a buck a month. Also, please don't forget the Palmer home. Still raising money for that. We have cracked the $2,000 mark in total. The Feed a Family campaign is at $26,000 out of $20,000. It takes $20,000 to feed an entire family for an entire year. We're at $26,000, so we're doing helping to do a lot of good for the Palmer home, and I'm pretty excited about that. But why don't we take a break, and we'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. 
Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Anyways, looking at training camp today, again, it was a pretty long one, about two hours long. This is back-to-back really long days, so I think they're going to get a uh, rest day tomorrow, and then obviously Saturday we're kicking this thing off. Also, kind of cool, I don't know why the Bears keep getting primetime games. Well, it's not technically primetime, but they get the game by themselves at noon, which I think is the second week in a row. Also, seems to point to the fact that I think uh, NFL really likes Justin Fields. For good reason, but you know, there's other quarterbacks that you want to look at. But then after that, the only game on after that, I believe, at 3 o'clock is the Green Bay Packers game. So I'm not going to have to stay up until forever, and there's no competing games. The whole world is going to be watching the Packers, and that's kind of cool. There were two fights in practice today. Uh, Benches cleared on the first one. I don't think there were any punches thrown, a whole lot of just posturing. It was a fight initially between Randall Cobb and Brandon Ecoles. I don't exactly know who that is. But um, Aaron Rodgers went over there. He's, I guess, was trying to break it up, was pulling people off the pile. So pushing, shoving, bringing people to the ground, whatever. But as far as I know, no punches thrown. The second one, as it was laid out by a Jets reporter, essentially was the um, the Jets defensive line was getting pushed around and embarrassed so much they were really getting tired of it and just started pushing and shoving the Packers offensive line. And it was kind of funny to hear that. Uh, on the injury front, uh, Bakhtiari was working out on the sideline, looking real good. Dean Lowry back in practice, ready to rock and roll. A.J. Dillon practicing today, had a calf issue yesterday or whatever, yesterday, two days ago. Um, eight Packers not practicing against the Jets. Quarterback Jordan Love, Devin Funches, Chris Blair, Vernon Scott, Zadarius Smith, Dennis Kelly, Jawan Winfrey, and Tyler Lancaster. There were, however, a bunch of injuries cropping up. I'm surprised they didn't end practice sooner. I thought as soon as guys started dropping, they would stop it, and it didn't seem like that happened. Carl Lawson ended up getting hurt, one of the better players on that entire team defensive end uh, pass rusher. Carl Lawson went down. It was reported, I believe, just recently as of this recording that he did actually tear his Achilles tendon. He's going to be out for the year. That's a massive blow for the Jets. Not that they were necessarily contenders. Um, So, I mean, from a cold, heartless, calculated standpoint, it's probably going to be beneficial for them to... um, be really bad and, and stack up on some picks and continue to build. But um, that's that obviously sucks. 
Um, Denzel Mims also got hurt. He limped off with a trainer. Sheldon Rankins left earlier with an apparent injury also. And then Zane Lewis got hurt and was carted off. So you got two guys getting carted off. One is done for the season. And then two guys ended up limping off the field. All four of those injuries were Jets players. Couple of offensive notes. Um, So the first possession for the offense, I just put under quarterback because it was all Aaron Rodgers. But I got the second possession here because it's just general offense. Uh, Rodgers incomplete to MVS up the seam, tried to go back shoulder. Rodgers touchdown to Robert Tunyon up the seam. Rodgers quick touchdown to Lazard on a hitch. Dylan stopped just short, and then there was a fight. And I believe that was the second fight. I don't know. might have been the first one. doesn't matter. We already talked about the fights. Um, second note, this was the second fight, so I'll give you the details a little bit. Getting testy. Folo uh, Fatukasi talking trash to the entire Packers offense. Jets defense getting annoyed, which makes some sense. It's been two full practices of the Packers toying with them, and they've had enough. <laughs> that was the phrasing, and I love that. Um, then it says Marcus May almost gets into it with Packers now. Couldn't tell who. So it was starting to flare up again for a third time, but it sounds like that one kind of fizzled. All that to say, depending on how much these guys calm down um, today, Friday, it might be a little bit of a heated contest on Saturday. A few quarterback notes for you. Um, and this via Connor Hughes, who is a Jets reporter. And it's just kind of cool to see, again, for the sake of perspective and understanding how special and how fortunate we are. He says, this isn't a joke. Watching Aaron Rodgers throw the ball against air is one of the coolest things. Just a flick of the wrist and the thing goes flying. I've never seen someone with this much arm talent before. We already know this, but it's kind of cool to see a Jets fan who maybe in his lifetime has never seen a quality quarterback, has never covered a quality quarterback. And so when he goes to training camp, and it's not even, I don't think they've ever had a good football team for the most part. I mean, they've had some dominant defenses in the last 10 years. But talking just really high-quality football teams, not really. It's mostly been pretty bad. And so for a guy like that to be able to come to a practice like this and just marvel, and it, it it's just crazy. It just made me feel so grateful to hear. Because again, we take it for granted, but this team is so unbelievably stacked with talent. And it almost made you feel bad because you got this Jets team that they're full of NFL-caliber football players, but they're just, like I said, they're just getting toyed with out there. Aaron Rodgers is on such a different level. They don't have anyone like Aaron Rodgers. They don't have anyone like David Bakhtiari. Excuse me. Like I was picturing David Bakhtiari, and I don't know why. Devontae Adams. Their offensive line is not like our offensive line. Their corners are not like our corners. I mean, just the quality of talent we have at almost every single position. Now, we don't even have like our starting defensive line. I mean, Preston's out there, and he was having a heck of a day. We'll get to that. But Rashawn's not out there. Zadarius isn't out there. Kenny's not out there. It's just, I don't know, it's just, it's just kind of a cool perspective to see, like, how how different it is. I mean, it's just, it's on such a different level, it's kind of ridiculous. Next note for quarterbacks, Benkert taking both the two and three reps, so he's getting a ton of work. And then this is the first uh, notes on the f- offense or whatever. This is red zone offense. Rodgers threw a touchdown to Tunyon. Second attempt, Rodgers back shoulder to Adams for a touchdown. Third attempt was a throwaway. Fourth one was a touchdown to Adams. Four attempts in red zone, he comes away with three touchdowns. That's crazy. Got some wide receiver notes here. Valdez Scantling gets over the top of Jets secondary, and Rodgers finds him for a 50-yard completion, another big play during uh, camp. The other thing to keep in mind for MVS, and I know this is already assumed and everybody knows it, but he's not just a receiver. He's a certain kind of receiver, and, and the fact that we keep seeing these completions and we keep seeing these things, 
Listen, if Alan Lazard was having a great camp, it would be a series of tweets about nice seven-yard completion to Alan Lazard, great 13-yard pickup to Alan Lazard. Every single time we see a pass, granted, they're not always 50, but it's always 35, 33, 45, 50 yards. One good play from MVS is the equivalent of about three good plays from Alan Lazard. And that's not to quantify or say that, that MVS is better or this, that, but it's so unbelievably important and beneficial to have a guy like MVS to be able to take 50-yard chunks. It's just, it's silly and it's crazy. Next note says, now goes underneath to Lazard. A lot of weapons for this defense to consider. Lazard bubble screen for a good grade, good grade to my point. MVS on a pitch end around left uh, for about 10 yards. So they're starting to mix him in a little bit more with that. I mentioned before, I thought it was surprising they didn't use MVS on those because he's so fast. I've seen that a couple times in camp now. Why not? He's killing it in every other regard. Benkert throws a nice touchdown, rolling right to Amari Rogers on a contested catch. Rogers adams deep down the right sideline, just a perfectly placed pass. Hall had nice coverage. Doesn't matter. Nothing you can do there. If you can hear the kids, it's just things have devolved rapidly. There's nothing I can do. It's just nonstop screaming. That's the only noise that comes out of my children's mouths at around this time is a high-pitched scream. That's it. And uh, you just, you, you grow to become immune to it. Sorry for the listeners that are not, that might be hearing that. MVS dropped a perfect Rodgers pass, would have been for 45-yard score right through his hands. He beat Hall. Now, that's frustrating. It's 45 yards and a touchdown erased if this is a game, and that really upsets all of us, especially when he has drop issues. But let's keep it into perspective. Devontae's had like nine drops in training camp so far. As far as I know, that's MVS's first. Hopefully, he nips that in the bud. But again, let's try to keep proper perspective here. That's Again, this is why I always highlight all of Rodgers' incompletions and bad passes. Because when Rodgers does it, we don't care because we know he's good and he doesn't throw a lot of incompletions. But if Love does it, we all panic. Same thing here. Devontae has seven drops and it's like, all right, dude, come on, you're getting a little crazy. I mean, I know, ooh, Max out there. I know you're you're obviously not going to have any problems, but let's just try to clean that up. MVS has one drop after tearing it up forever and every single one of us. Even those of you that are saying that it didn't happen for you, there's a part of you inside that's like, oh, here we go. And freaking guy, I know he's going to start falling apart. Here. Right? It's just, there's, there's, even if the vast majority of, of your person, of your mind, of your, your being realizes logically that this is not a reason to panic, there's still going to be a cynical part of you that's like, yeah, this guy's garbage. Here we go. Here we go. MVS with the freaking drops. Anyways, next play, Rodgers throws a duck deep down the middle, bounces off Lazard's hands, and picked by Sherrod Neesman. So there you go, Lazard with another drop. And and again, remember, these camps are starting to stack up. Some of these guys are starting to get tired. You're going to start to see things like that. Um, There are teams where that's basically all that's happening. I'm watching a preseason game right now where the Eagles have done nothing but drop passes, I think. It happens. Um, Running back notes, just a couple. Nice block by Dylan. Rodgers finds MVS downfield. Obviously, MVS is the one that caught it, but still, I thought I'd highlight Dylan on that. Packers offense starts team with a couple nice runs. Dylan up the gut, then Hill on a nice jump cut for a chunk. Tight end notes, play action rollout from Rodgers to Bronson Kaufusi. Just bit hard on run action. Really like that play just because it illustrates exactly what we we want to happen, right? Technically, it was a tight end note, but the biggest part was the second part for me anyways. We're pretending to run the ball, which is a critical piece of what this offense does, where everything kind of looks like one thing, but you never really know what we're doing. We made it look like we're running the ball because that's what we kind of always do. And the defense tried to crash down on that. And it's like, what are you doing, dude? We're not running the ball. Why are you, why are you thinking we're running the ball as a pass play? What are you, stupid? 
And that's probably how the defense feels, by the way. <laughs> like, we just called them stupid to their face. Man, this is an ugly preseason game. This is so bad. Rodgers just rocketed a pass to Tunyon in red zone. 85 has been almost automatic in drill this week. Aaron Rodgers and Robert Tunyon have been on some grooves together in camp. Rodgers just threads a pass past tight end, past tight coverage from Jets linebacker Gerard Davis for a touchdown in red zone drill. They look poised for a big season. It's touchdown. These are all different notes, by the way. It's touchdown time to Tunyon. Rodgers uh, effective as ever on that drive versus the Jets. Top defense picked them apart. Benkert making plays with his feet, rolls right, finds DeGuara on a deep connection, few yards short of the end zone. Got a bunch of offensive line notes today. Starting guard position, which is always the first note that we get uh, these days anyways. Patrick at left guard, Newman at right guard. Nice gap for Dylan to run through between Jenkins and Patrick. So that would be left tackle and left guard. Turner gets beat by Lawson, forces a pressure. John Franklin Myers came flying around the outside for a sack on Aaron Rodgers. Uh, He was celebrating after Carl Lawson had a tackle for a loss on the first play. So good amount of pressures again against this offensive line. Uh, As Again, as mentioned, the plan for the Jets was to bring as much pressure on Aaron Rodgers as possible. That was part of, you know, helping out the Packers, helping out Rodgers prepare for that kind of thing. Ben Braden working at right tackle with the twos. Dennis Kelly was banged up yesterday. Carl Lawson pressure forces Rodgers off his spot and an errant throw. John Runyon getting some work at center with the backups. Jake Hansen back to taking second team center reps today, but Ben Braden taking second team reps at right tackle. The more you can do, just like Lucas Patrick taking second team center reps yesterday. So again, they're just shuffling everybody everywhere trying to solidify this. But it all seems to be behind um, Mr. Newman. It's been two weeks now, and I would say we haven't had the greatest pass protection. This is on an interview with offensive coordinator Mike LaFleur for the Jets. Again, I'm putting this in the offensive line spot because he's talking about offensive line, but really this is more of an edge note. I mentioned yesterday how the edge rushers were doing a really good job, but also this offensive line has been terrible. Uh, He goes on to say, Makai is going through some things right now. He's not playing his best. Again, uh, I mentioned that as well. He's been having some real difficulties, not to really completely take away from our edge rushers who are having some, you know, success, but it's worth noting. There's, it's not a coincidence that there's a massive spike in notes from guys like Preston Smith when he has to no longer go up against guys like uh, Elton Jenkins and now is going up against Mackay Becton, who's been just terrible in camp. Uh, some general defensive notes here. Kiki Slayton and Heflin get the start at defensive line. Preston and Gary off the edge. Barnes, Campbell, uh, linebacker, Stokes, Jair at corner, Amos and Savage at safety. This is your starting defense, at least starting, you know, camp or whatever. Starting today, yesterday, you know what I'm saying. Packers defense contesting everything in two-minute drill. Looked like a coverage sack by Kiki, then a tip pass by Amos, then a pass breakup by Stokes. Jets two-minute drill does nothing. Packers defense wins. Zach Wilson was 10 of 18 in team period today. He had one touchdown and interception was sacked five times. I believe the day before was seven times. So that would be 12 sacks in two days. Defensive tackle notes, Pavilion, Heflin, and Kemp in at defensive line. uh, And the Jets run right up the middle. Way too much space and a big gain. So a negative note for the defensive line. Another big run follows. Same group up front. Didn't hold up well there at all. Pavilion with a pressure after the pass defense held up really well on the back end. Pavilion having a nice day, nice run stop at the line of scrimmage. Not a ton of notes on him, but he had a good day today. Some edge notes. Preston Smith with another pressure. Nice two days from him. Looks like Aaron Rodgers taught Zach Wilson about the hard count. The rookie gets Preston Smith to jump off sides during red zone. 
Preston comes untouched off the edge. Wilson gets rid of it, but Campbell is right there, and the ball falls incomplete. Delonte Scott comes around the corner for a nice stop. Tippa beat the right tackle clean for a pressure on Morgan. Would have been a sack for sure. And Chauncey Rivers with a sack after a few nice run stops by the second, third team defense. Linebackers, Campbell blows up uh, run in the backfield. His tape is all over the place, good and bad for his career, but there's no denying he's having a nice camp. That's a great note, especially since I haven't really heard that. Nice coverage drop on a shot play. Uh, check down that Burks shuts down pretty quick. Again, very excited about the, the positivity coming out about these linebackers because that is foreign to the Packers in general. Kemp and Burks in on a run stop at the line of scrimmage and Campbell in on another run stop. Nice day for him. Bunch of cornerback notes here. Jair interception. Red Wilson perfectly. Awesome play. Jair picks off Zach Wilson. Pass rush creates good pressure. Jair Alexander picks off Zach. So these are three notes. I'm just reading them all. Picks off Zach Wilson short of the middle, short over the middle on second passing play of the day. Ento next up at cornerback. He very much seems to be in the lead for that last cornerback spot. Outside run, Jair and Savage are all over it. Kevin King about to get some team reps. Stokes started in team. Flacco touchdown pass in red zone. Looks like SJC was a tad late uh, getting over. Not sure how Joe Flacco um, was at camp today for the Jets and then ended up playing tonight for the Eagles. But um, Joe Flacco threw a touchdown pass in red zone. Wilson with a very impressive throw for a touchdown to Corey Davis. Holman was in coverage. Wasn't terrible, but not good enough. Jeff Smith complete over the middle from Wilson with Stokes in coverage. Jeff Smith gets Stokes again, only on a quick 4-5 or five yard comeback though, no harm. KB on Ento with a pass defense on the sideline, come back to Cole. Zach Wilson's mobility outside the pocket leads to a deep touchdown in two-minute drill over Gene Charles. Safety notes, Redmond getting team reps today. He's in with Black with the twos. Another fantastic pass breakup by Innes Gaines, Make one, makes one every day. Darnell Savage just tipped away a pass that probably would have been picked by Adrian Amos. Both safeties are playing well. Finally, a couple special teams notes. Nice special teams rip, uh, rep from Yadam as the gunner. Uh, got past both blockers and was on the return, man. He has almost 500 career special team snaps. Devin Funches and Dennis Kelly just came out onto the field. Oh, this isn't meant to be a special teams note. <laughs> I guess there was one special team to know. But anyways, yeah, Funches and Kelly came walking out and watched the end of camp. So anyways, folks, that's all I got for you tomorrow. Today, I mean, is going to be a day off. So we'll see what we end up talking about these kinds of things. Although tomorrow's podcast is for Saturday, so we should probably talk about the game. Anyway, we'll figure that out. You folks have yourselves a good night. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.